Episode 474 of Canada's Pinball Podcast coming at you from New York City, quarantined heavily, haven't been out in a long time, everyone's going a little stir crazy, I think people are finally starting to catch on, I'm starting to hear other good shows do good analysis of how we think this is all going to impact our lives and pinball. On this episode, we're going to hear from Todd Tucky of TNT. Really great guy. Needs your support. So listen to that podcast and let's join let's join in in helping Todd with his auction next week in pinball. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never said Stern was going to go out of business. I never said Jersey Jack was going to go out of business. But for those of you out there who just think it's going to be pinball as normal and pinball as usual, I don't understand. I still don't understand that sort of delusion that everything is just going to bounce back fine. Let me read you an email I got too from Mr. BB. He says, I'm listening to this last podcast about how the pinball industry is going to be in the tank and our economy will take longer than the financial crisis to get back. You're completely wrong. Doom and gloom is totally wrong. Stern is going out of business. Stop. So many things wrong with this podcast. I don't even know where to start, but ultimately this economy is being proactively stopped. And when it's proactively started, it's returning big time. Companies that are smartly managed have months worth of cushion And once the restrictions are lifted, people are spending money and they'll be fine. Why? Because it's an artificial limit right now. I just want to stop and and analyze that for a minute. In our, it's the economy's been stopped. We're going to come back fine. It's going to turn itself back on and be stronger than ever. And he knows this. Let me tell you something, BB. How are you proactively going to get all the people in the service industry? How are you going to get them? all the money back that they're losing through this period of time. How are you going to do that? This is not like 2008 at all. In 2008, last time I remember, every bar, restaurant, Las Vegas, every service industry in America didn't have to shut down and close its doors. And those people are out of work. Unemployment skyrocketing. Unemployment wasn't this bad back then. So how are you going to restart that? How are you going to give people all of the lost wages that they're experiencing. How are you going to do that? And if you think that Stern's buyers and all these pinball company buyer bases are going to spring back to normal and then some, you're completely wrong. Because here's the part that most people don't get. The majority of Americans don't have money invested in the stock market. That is not where you look to know where people are at financially. The majority of Americans... They rely on salary. They rely on paychecks. And a lot of that's about to be disrupted. And all those jobs are about to be disrupted. So how do you, how do you like take that into account? And the other part is the other thing that didn't happen in 2008, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we weren't piling up body bags. People weren't dying left and right. There's also going to be, there's going to be an atmosphere and there's going to be a reaction to this thing of taking care of your family's health and the, the things that matter the most, and it's not going to be re- returned to pinball immediately. It, it still amazes me the, the absolute disregard for not, it's just not just the financial thing that's going to happen, it's the, it's the psychological thing that's going to happen to people of sitting in their homes, 
for weeks, if not months, while they watch all these people pass away and die from a pandemic that's not going away anytime soon. And it might be something that we deal with seasonally for the rest of our lives, like the flu. 20,000 people die from the flu every year. You don't really hear about it. And most people still don't get flu shots, which is crazy. But I'm just saying that this is different than anything ever before, than anyone has seen ever before. So yes, while I'm not an economist and can't perfectly predict the way things are going to happen, I don't think pinball is going to come back and be as healthy as it was before this. And I'd be willing to bet my money on the fact that a lot of pinball companies that weren't successful before this are going to struggle. I would also predict that Stern's sales are going to be down. You think Stern's going to return from this and have as many buyers as they did before this. I, I, I think that's absolutely incorrect. Now, the other thing is this. The other thing is this. There are companies that are in trouble before this hit. And I'm going to talk about that in a show coming up. I'm starting to do some research, but I'm starting to see something happening in pinball that is going to be of no surprise to anybody. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And we've seen this story before. And I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw on Pinside, inside the Deep Root thread, there was stuff that started to be posted by people and, and the Pinside staff was starting to delete stuff. And it's eerily reminiscent of what we saw with Highway Pinball. And I'm just going to say this, and I mean this, once again, it looks like Pinside and Robin and the moderators are taking the side of the manufacturer and they're, they're, they're listening to cease and desist threats and they're yanking stuff down and they're keeping the pinball community, they're keeping them, they're silencing some of the naysayers that are surrounding Deep Root Pinball right now and it's starting to grow. And I don't know what the facts are, I don't know what the truth is, but I do know this. In the history of pinball, in the history of me covering this hobby, whenever there's been smoke, whenever people have started to ring the alarm bells and scream fire a little bit, it's always turned out to be true. Do you ever hear people saying Stern Pinball is financially in trouble? Do you ever hear people saying like American Pinball is running out of money? No. Do you ever hear people saying... Chicago Gaming Company isn't paying their employees. Do you ever hear that stuff? You don't hear that stuff. Now, when that stuff starts to percolate, here's always what happens. Robin and the Pinside staff, they take the side of the manufacturer because all they want is their new pinball machine. And the customers, the customers, they're not given the information they need, but it happened. And I didn't, I, I didn't expect this to happen. We were all expecting to see Raza on March 25th so why are we seeing this now? Why, why are people starting to, to light the spark about doubt on whether or not Deep Root can do what they're going to do? Now, there's a lot of public information on Deep Root, so I'm starting to look into some of it and see where things are in terms of where their facilities are and are they still in Utah and what, what, what's going on over there. All right, so let's talk about a little bit of news. There's a new code for Iron Man. No one really cares. It's like, great, Lyman polishes games forever. Who cares about Iron Man code? If you have an Iron Man, great, but that's not really news. Game is so old. Jurassic Park Topper is about to come out. Once again, Stern Pinball succeeds in getting a topper out within five years of a game being released. So congratulations on that. Ninja Turtles will be delayed until an indefinite date, and there's no news coming, but 
Todd Tucky will join the show right now. So we'll, we're going to give you guys some news and we're going to figure out stuff to talk about, but it's going to get real thin real soon. Don't know what the other shows are going to analyze and talk about moving forward, but man, it's, it's, it's dry. It's a dry landscape, but I'm telling you the real story, the real story out there is what's happening to some of these manufacturers as they try to weather this storm. And will some of them who've had calamities occur well before COVID, are they going to use COVID as a way to sort of bail out and use it as an excuse? We will see. There's more coming on this. I love it when I can start to go on a little bit of an investigative journey to see what's going on within these companies. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Tucky. I want to welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast probably the personality that is even bigger than mine in this hobby, Mr. Todd Tucky from TNT Amusements. Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, greetings. Good evening. Good evening. We've I, we've been wanting to do this for a while, and I, I must say, and I don't often say this, but I've been a big fan of yours well before I even got into pinball, really, because I, I know you from the arcade scene. Wow. So you've been... Following for years then, huh? Well, I went from Clav, and then I got banned from Clav. So then I migrated over to Pinside and <laughs> became a pinhead, got banned from there. And now I'm doing this little this little podcast gig. So where do we want to start? So for those of you who don't know, Todd, let's give a real quick summary of, of TNT Amusements for listeners of the show who might, and I'm, I don't know who could possibly not know who you are at this point, but let the listener know TNT Amusements, what you guys do and, and your connection to pinball and the coin op scene. Uh, well, TNT Amusements started uh, the official business in 79 where I bought games to put them in locations. 100% of the business was to vend them and do a split which was always 50-50 in almost every case. It was to make money. Right. So we bought games. We operated them. There was no real love for the games. Just a fascination, When especially when a new game came out. You were real excited, but there was no uh, collectible type of thing. It was They were strictly money makers. And uh, the business fell on hard times. Everybody was going out of business. By 83, 84, the games were done. You, you couldn't put a game in any corner store. I mean, you, you sold games everywhere. They were popping up everywhere. And people were addicted. The home games came out. And people finally had enough. They, they, it was the same old thing, the same release, just another fighter in another cabinet. And they stopped playing them. So uh, my partner and I were worried, uh, got all these games not in locations, broke, and um, rolled a game into my End of my driveway, had a long driveway in northeast Philadelphia. Lots of traffic on our road and put a big for sale sign on that and a couple others. And that started the business in summer. Four months, I sold over 400 games out of my driveway. Wow. And during, during the week, I covered them with tarpaulins. Uh, we sold a ton of games. And so your business uh, has always been primarily for the home buyer? Yes. My last operation, my last location i closed in 2013 i had a laundromat a good hundred miles away from tnt but it was on a jersey route i had i had a new jersey route and it was the last location and kurt went there about every six weeks and collected and the collections were always lousy we had four games there i said you know what every time we got a breakdown that would cover the repair whatever was in the machines so that was our final location so we closed forever the route in 2013 
and 100% of the money is generated by the sales to homes. Also, one-day rentals. We do weekend rentals, and we do a lot of birthday party business. Our birthday party business uh, is probably about 12 to 15% of our income, and uh, that's it. It's uh, pretty much all home sales, and we offer the trade-in, so we're getting our games back all the time. If you had to take a guess, Todd, how many pinball machines do you think you've sold to people over the years? Well, I, I, it's, it's probably less of a guessing matter. Uh, we have sold over 27,000 machines since we've been open. Uh, and that's, that's the, pinball? Uh, no, both. Uh, video, both. foosball tables. We were selling ping pong, pool tables for a while, and pinball. But uh, pinball numbers are pretty high. I, we sold over 100 pinbots, for instance, different ones. And we're not talking brand new. It's easy to sell a brand new game. You open the box and you sell it and you make a couple hundred. But with a reconditioned or a used machine, or we sell some stuff as is too, that's a lot of pinbots, a hundred of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. If you start counting them, you can kind of visualize the number. Yeah, why do you think that that title's been so popular for people it's, to want it in their home? It's simple. It's one of the greatest games ever made. Todd, do you distribute new in-box games right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get them uh, through Mike Automated Services, this wonderful man in Connecticut. He's such a great guy. And uh, we have Mike's machines. So uh, we're not a distributor, but we're selling Mike's machines, basically. And But we'll deliver them, set them up, and service them. And uh, it's nice because it, it's another another arm of uh, of his uh his reach. He's pretty big on the East Coast. He, I mean, he's huge. He's got most of New England locked down. I, I hear Mike is like the guy. And the best part is about Mike, you dial his phone number and he's extension 16. You That's right to his phone. He'll pick up the phone. He'll talk to you. He won't set, push you off on somebody else. He will make the sale right to you. You're not going through like 50 other people. So we brought up Pimbot and how the game was simple and, and people could jump on and enjoy it. How do you feel about modern pins? They have obviously become more complex, a little bit more confusing with the more the deeper codes in the games. Do you feel like that turns people on, or do you ever feel like that makes it hard for some of the new to pinball people to get into these games? Ooh, that, that's a tough one. Uh, it, it's interesting because I see it happen here when we do the parties. I can have Gottlieb's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, System 1, and right next to it, I can have Jurassic Park, the new one, and the people will play both. It's like, what? And they're, they're on free play here. So right. mine, it's not like they're putting their quarters in. But a lot of the people, they're attracted to the artwork. There's a whole bunch of things that go in play. The artwork, the theme of the game, what it is, and that's what they're into at that particular time. So somebody can really get into an old, dull game like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then once they understand the rules and how simple the game is to learn, they like it. They actually like it. And I have this people tell me the same thing when they come in to buy a game. They say, oh, that Jurassic Park is too complicated. Show me something else. And you hear the opposite feedback from a lot of the newer home buyers is some of the games that have simple rules that are easy to understand, if you were to own that game and have it in your house every day, it might get boring quickly. 
Yeah, but it doesn't explain why we go out and do service. Remember, I've had games in people's houses since 1984, and I still have the records. Kurt will go out and do a service call on a F-14 Tomcat we sold in 1988, and they love it. And it's 40 years later, for goodness sakes. They, oh, we, we love this game. So I, I, I don't get it either. It's, but I have my favorites. I kept the same games in my house all those years. Right. So, you know, what's, your, what's your favorite pinball machine? If you had to be on an island with just one? Big Bang. Big Bang Bar? Yeah. Are you? Do you feel like it's going to be remade? Are you waiting? Chicago Gaming Company has teased that that might be one of the ones they remake. I, I think they'd be foolish not to, but it would ruin the values, I think, of the, the original machine because they can do a lot more with the LEDs now. I mean, who would want a, an original Monster Bash when you can buy the new, that, that incredible new Chicago Gaming one? Yeah, that's always been the quagmire of the collectible hobby, right? Is some of these games are collectible because they were rare and they had their time on the production line and it's hard to find a good one, especially a game like Big Bang Bar where there were hardly any. And then they, what, they remade 200 of them, right? When they... 200. And do you have one of those remakes? Well, I did, but I sold it. Okay. It went to South America. Really? Okay. So all over the world, right? People who are collecting pinball machines, that game has been heralded it as one of the greatest collectible pinball machines. And a lot of the reasons why it's beautiful to look at, it's it's got a sexy grown-up theme to it, which was rare for a lot of pinball machines. And I think you're right, because if they decide to make another 1,000 of them or 1,500, all of a sudden it's no longer that sought-after collectible. It could be, but there are still some people that want the original you know, let's face it, everybody would love to have the real Mona Lisa in their house, but they're going to have to settle for a print or they'll settle for, for one that has oil flourishes to it. There's all different versions of the Mona Lisa you can buy, but if you want the original baby, yeah, it was for sale, it sure as hell wouldn't be cheap. <laughs> do, you, do you think that matters in pinball? Because that, that debate does pop up. The the difference in value between an original Medieval Madness and a Medieval Madness remake. And do you think the value of the original should be a little bit higher than the remakes? I think there'll always be someone that wants the original original because we're seeing it now with the arcade games. The arcade one-ups, for instance. I mean... How do you feel about those things? Arcade one-ups are one of the greatest things that could happen to the gaming business because they are introducing the greatest classic games of all time to a whole brand new generation that would never be able to see or play them unless they play them on those wretched MAME things. or right. the, uh, that, And they happen to be near a classics arcade. They're wonderful because Rampage... You play Rampage in the arcade one-up, it's great. But boy, if you find an original that's in good condition with the original joysticks, okay? that That's my stipulation. The Leaf Switch joysticks, those silver ball one. The Monroe, they're Monroe joysticks. Just came to me. The, the game is just, it's like playing like a Cadillac as opposed to a Jeep, you know? Absolutely. Even, you know, there's nothing like... Yeah, I'm a Street Fighter guy. Nothing like hopping on an original Street Fighter with the original Capcom joysticks. You'll never get the same feedback or feel uh, with any modern recreations. I think what's interesting about the one-ups is, to your point, they're introducing a whole new generation, and it's affordable. 
right? These kids can learn Ninja Turtle four player game in, in a somewhat similar cabinet and, and feel and atmosphere that, that their parents learned it. And then they might love the game so much they want to go get the original, right? And they, and, and they I, fall in love with the game. I, I had that happen. Uh, this winter, somebody played, they had an arcade one up uh, in one of the resort homes they rented for like a, a weekend. And they wanted to buy one that they didn't want an arcade one up. They wanted the original game. So that uh, was a centipede. They wanted a real centipede. And they got it. And yeah. I actually got a sale because of an arcade one up, which some people say, well, you're probably losing sales. Yes, I've been, to, we've delivered games to homes where they have three real arcade games and they have, you know, 12 of these little arcade one up things, right. you know, on the risers. So, yes, we're, we're probably losing money here, but we're gaining brand new players. And you know what else is happening? Those same players will go to the classic arcades as they get built. Uh, unfortunately, the classic arcades are under a lot of, of strain right now because they're not open. Right. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. And, you know, obviously there's no way to simulate pinball the same way the one-ups are simulating arcade games. But to your point of arcades are closing down, barcades, every, the whole world is closing down. And I just did a show today earlier on about the calamity that is now at the shores of pinball manufacturers and collectors and operators and distributors. So Todd, how are you feeling, Todd, with the, the new norm that is sweeping through the hobby? How are you been impacted and, and what do you think the outcome is going to be for a lot of these people that will be affected by this? Uh, I laid all our guys off. Uh, right now, I'm actually, I got three guys here volunteering. Uh, we're trying to like, close up loose ends we have a lot of loose ends we have games that were paid for or almost paid for and we're getting them done so the trucks can pick them up uh so and we do we did we just did a a bargain basement where people could buy stuff as is and that's done well because people have been coming and picking stuff up so they have something to play we're not doing anything to them we're basically saying i'm working but as is uh but you know the big problem is, is what do you do when all the as is gone games are gone? And I'm telling you, I am at my lowest inventory I've ever had uh, because I can't buy anything new because we can't go out and pick anything up. I, I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks, but you know, we're, I figured I'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But a lot of people don't, you know, or, you know, the, especially the classic arcades that have had to close uh, Steve, Splinter, Van, Steve Van Splinter, that owns the Gamesium. He was doing really well, packed up. And he's an effort of Pennsylvania, opened up a classics arcade. At 20 years old, he opened this place up. And over 100 games, 150 games. And they were doing great, packed with people, packed. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, neither could he, actually. Uh, him and his wife were really surprised at how well it's doing. But uh, he's just sitting. He doesn't know what to do. Because the rent still do, right? He come up with the rent now. They, he says he made enough money that, and he saved it. He's a, he's a big saver. He's he, you know he does, he manages his money very well, and uh, he's okay for now. But I think all of us were kind of thinking this stuff was going to be over in a month, and that's not happening, you know. And right, and we were all we were all ready to. A lot of people are ready to board planes to TPF. A lot of people were, well, 
I mean, we might miss TPF, but Midwest Gaming Classic will happen, and Stern will show us Ninja Turtles in a few weeks, right. and and everything just stopped, like like a light switch got turned off, and the world we knew it is no longer there, and and the end date is nowhere near. And you actually said it. You actually said it on your show uh, when you said the, you said it. What are we going to do after the Twippies are over? Do you yeah. remember saying that? Yeah, I, I do. And, well, here, <laughs> here we are after the Twippy. So, and I agree. I'm, uh, well, and on my show today, I said, I think every single pinball content creator has a week or two more to tie up loose ends, whether it's interviews or, you know, I, I love talking to you, Todd, and it's been long overdue. But once you turn off the new inbox stream of games, yeah. you turn off Pinside. It, yeah. I mean, you'll you'll have the club threads, but every week that goes by, people will lose interest because they don't have that much to look forward to. Right. And the new stuff was what kept things really, really cooking. The excitement of that brand new game. Yep. Uh, it, you're right. You're 100% right because we kept waiting. Wow. What's new? What are they coming up with? It was a big secret. You know, and, somebody thinks it's this. And all that's kind of disappeared. And, yep. Uh, and the cycle, Todd, of I can buy a game, I can play it, I can enjoy it. If another game comes out in three to four months, I can sell this game and not lose too much money and be on to the next new new product. And when all that comes to a screeching halt, it almost reminds me like of where pinball was and arcade collecting was sort of like right after the arcades closed in the late 90s, right? We might get back to a period in which if there's not new manufacturing going on at scale, people are going to then start to look at it like, well, this is what we got right now, right? For a long time, like these are the games. There, Stranger Things might be the last Stern game we get in a, in a very long time. And here's the really funny thing. I haven't played it yet. I've got three brand new and all three models in my warehouse, but things kind of shut down and I never got a chance to open any of them. Um and and they might become here's the here's the here's the crazy thing and and you you've seen this happen before. God forbid things don't take a turn for the better for these manufacturing companies. Those Stranger Things in those boxes might become some of the most sought after games ever. Uh, it could be, but you know this will end. It really will. Um, it's, it has um, to. We can't we can't live like this, right? We can't live in our in our homes as prison cells, and we can't quarantine a species that is meant to connect with each other yeah and you're right and i think sooner or later this is all going to come to an end we'll be back to normal uh it has to when do you think i i I know we all have an opinion about when we think that will be right and i think from world leaders to doctors to pinball fanatics what what's your gut telling you i know we, and everyone's opinion is different so there's no right or wrong answer because nobody really knows the answer but what are you thinking when do you think we might start to get a little bit back to normal with this thing i'm hearing about these uh, possible cures i mean johnson and johnson says there's a year away from a tested one uh but people are experimenting now with different things and i think people will try them uh especially if they're like, you know, on death's door. And possibly somebody will come up with the right combination. The the other thing we never thought about is it's this is like the flu. And there is a flu season. 
So right. this season could suddenly end. It could. And some people say, oh, well, no, it's not the heat because it's hot in Florida and they still have it there. And I say, well, yes, but it's still seasoned. It, it, and it, it is like a flu. You know, maybe that, maybe that will happen. Yeah, there's just so much we don't know, right? And, and I, I think everyone is now sitting at home, hopefully, or in their shop quarantine like you are right now, Todd. And I, I think we're just trying to figure out how do I plan – for the worst, but expect the best. And, and that's sort of like all we can do right now. And I'm doing that with my personal life, with my job, with my pinball podcast. I mean, this is the, to me, this is, this has always been a creative outlet and I, I don't want to give up the show, but I also, I've always said this. I don't want to just talk to talk. I don't want to just make content because I feel obligated to fill the airwaves. I do want there to be relevant things to talk about. And I do think that's going to come to an end pretty damn soon because I don't want this show to be, it's not a show about restorations. It's not a show about, there's no more tournaments to talk about. There's no more league play going on. There's, there's, there's really just, if you got games in your home, be lucky that you have them because I, I ordered a Rick and Morty Todd and I can't even get it. And it's like built, but spooky can't even get into work now to ship games. Wow. It's crazy. I have a friend, Paul, that said he would, uh, be able to get it take delivery of it if you wanted to he's uh we call him cop paul he's volunteers here at tnt he's in jersey because i thought that's possibly what you needed to do you couldn't get it to new york interesting well and and here's the hard part with with every scenario right it's like you just don't know like it's hard for me i want i want him to be safe i don't want him to be at risk to go get a, a pinball machine right and and that's sort of like this period in which we all have to be selfless and not try and put ourselves at harm because of something we personally want to do that we don't want to give up and also put other people in jeopardy over something like a pinball machine. So I am doing my best to adhere to what our leaders are telling us, which is don't go out unless it's necessary to walk. Bubba is necessary to get groceries is necessary, but that's about it. I'm not, I'm not going for joy rides in the demon. I'm I'm not jogging around Central Park. I'm home watching a lot of Netflix and imagining a pinball machine here. Um, you could but, watch my channel, you know. I know. So are you still making content and how frequently are you doing it? Well, uh, uh, yes. I uh, we, The game's going out with my volunteers. We're filming brief videos on them and putting them together. Uh, I'm I'm working on. Do you know the little replicates, the little tiny tabletop ones? Yep. Um, I just finished. Uh, uh, well, I actually we filmed it probably three weeks ago on the new Street Fighter II champ, and I never opened up the cabinet. So one of my guys yesterday, last night, we filmed the rest of it. The it's the middle of the is when you put a show together, it's bits and bobs, but it could be recorded over a two, three, four week period. You finally get it edited together. So I will be putting that video up. And I still have incredibly great footage from one and two years ago. I never edited. Um, we have a complete teardown of a $6 million man that we presented as a seminar in um, Pinfest two years ago. Oh, Pintastic. Pintastic in Sturbridge. They did film it, but so few people saw it. So with my channel, I can get this thing out. I think it'll probably have thousands of views. Great. Uh, because it, it's really detailed on 
taking apart a, a um, Bally a 70s game, late 70s, and how to restore it. And there's a lot of detail, a lot of close-ups. And I think it'll be really interesting. The, the seminar was great, but we had a packed room, but only 50 people saw it because that's all the room held. Right. Um, now, now, Todd, you said you had to let some of your workers go. Is, is TNT Amusements, is it shutting down for a while? Can you stay in business through this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a, almost a thousand things up on Greed Bay. Um, uh, I just signed up with Dean um, Wenzel to do an auction in two weeks. Uh, we're going to do a, a live auction here at TNT. There's only a couple of us here, of course, but uh, we'll be doing that um, because Tim, you know Tim, one of the twins, uh, he just left New York City. He is two-week quarantine when he gets back to his house in Maryland. And then once that quarantine's finished, they're going to come here and stay in a hotel and help out, him and his brother. They, they, were, they were laid off, but laid off with pay. And uh, so... We expect to continue to operate in a very small manner, but still operate and you know, keep our distance, that sort of thing, uh, right. as long as we can. So you're, you're getting creative with some new, new fundraising efforts and, and, and doing all you can. I mean, we all have to adapt to the new reality, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to force all of us to, to think of new ways in which we can generate revenue, especially people who are, are making their livelihood in this business, which you are, Todd. So I think... Have you ever thought about doing any, have there been any GoFundMe set up for TNT that are currently up there if people wanted to donate to TNT right now? Uh, I didn't do that because I don't think we've reached that level or that point. I think this auction will be great uh, because we're going to put a ton of stuff up, both pinball and video. Uh, I have something really neat. A, um, uh, I bid on it and won it at a, Pinball Expo, Ch uh, Children's Wish. During the banquet, they used to have a Children's Wish auction. And this was um, uh, given to the designer of Bonsai Run, a, an award that lights up. And it's inscribed Bonsai Run because it was a big, big hit. Was that Pat Lawler or am I making that up? No, it wasn't Pat. Uh, I'm trying to think of who it was now. It's offhand. Uh, uh, I have it on that. Door. I should have had that material ready, but I'm going to. Uh, put that up. Uh, I paid, I think, three fifty for it at the auction. But I would think, since it's one of a kind, um, it, it should fetch pretty good money. Uh, I don't know. I, I figured that, that would be something who, especially a Bonsai Run fan. And since I bought that, gosh, when did I bid on that? That would have been in the nineties. Uh, Bonsai Runs, of course, become extremely popular and desirable. So it's Larry Demar. And Pat Lawler. Canada does know something about him all. <laughs> Patty, my Pat. Yeah. There, there's something I have. I did an impromptu interview with Pat Lawler at the Pinball Expo I, with my cell phone, of all things. And uh, it, it's really great, but I never got it posted. That was uh, in um, October, this past October. So that's another thing I want to You've got a bunch of content that will keep your channel exciting. And, and, and oh, your yeah. content's always great. And Todd, what I think people love about your content is it's always you and you bring your, your larger-than-life personality into the videos and you don't you sort of speak your mind. Now, you've done a lot of tours of different pinball facilities and manufacturing 
uh, locations. I saw one with American Pinball. You've obviously been to Stern. You've been to Jersey Jack. Which one of the manufacturers are were you most impressed by, and what was it like? What was your takeaway like from the big the big manufacturers in the pinball industry when you visited them? Well, every every factory we always had a lot of fun. Uh, we couldn't film at Stern in October, but we had a lot of fun on that tour. That was a terrific tour. I wish we could have filmed it, but there was a time when they let you. But there, there a lot of people are worried about secrets or the wrong thing getting photographed or whatever. And uh, which is understandable. I filmed the Data East factory when they were making The Simpsons, and nobody had a video camera that day. They only had stills, and I had my home uh, video camera. The tour, I wish I filmed more now, of course, but uh, I used to buy a good Sony camera that had a great zoom on it, so I could get close up as they made the assemblies of The Simpsons and. I don't think anybody has any footage of any sort of Data East when they were operating as a factory. I mean, I'm sure they took a little bit, but this was really neat watching the assembly process. And uh, I got a picture of the only two checkpoints uh, manufactured. They were tests and they were never released because they didn't like they didn't make a lot of money. And then they were rushed into production as a first dot matrix game from that east but i have pictures and video of the two alpha numeric ones on a shelf in the back of the uh their warehouse and back then they didn't really care they had a lot of fun with the uh uh the guests uh they covered up a machine and had a green flashing light under it uh and that was rumored to be the teenage mutant ninja turtles data east pinball at the time because turtles was big right and uh, of course, and you knew that, and you knew that, right? Like they would tease, "Hey, that's turtles in there," there, but they wouldn't show you. And it wasn't like it was a mystery what was the next game, right? Everybody speculated, and I do that in the video. Uh, if, if you ever get a chance to watch the video um, on YouTube, it's gotten a lot of views. We also toured the Alvin G and Company factory. Um, I don't have a lot of that footage, unfortunately, but that was kind of neat because. Um, once again, that that was only open a couple of years, I guess, and then they closed. What games came out of uh, out of that factory? Virtually nothing. Mystery Castle was the they made only 175 of them, I think. Uh, it was a couple hundred um, pistol pokers, which is definitely an oddball Western theme. Dinosaur Eggs was a redemption pinball. Uh, it was it was pretty awful. But it was supposed to be a ticket-making machine, but it was still actually a pinball machine with pinballs. Uh, and I think I bought them brand new in the box for six hundred apiece, and I had them in the showroom, and I think I was selling them for eleven ninety-nine or something. But in two thousand six, I actually had one at a uh, uh, one of the um, pinball shows for sale, it's still in the box. And I think it was I was trying to just get my six hundred out of it or something. I don't even know if I sold it. Prices have changed so much. What What are your thoughts? Pinball machines are now new in box. Uh, $6,000 is usually your base level all the way up now to twelve five, fifteen thousand maybe for like a, a Elvira with a piece of couch. Like what are your thoughts on these prices? Well, uh, I think it was brilliant of Gary Stern if it was his idea to come up with three versions 
uh, of a pinball. I think it's a terrific idea because it lets people get in on an entry level. I'll tell you today, somebody was talking to me, was going to buy a Munsters, and he wants it to put it in his store. And he said, should I get the one with the basement? I said, no, get, get the regular edition. It's less to, to go wrong if you have people pounding on it all day. And he doesn't know anything about fixing pinballs. It's just like a new location. It's an ice cream store. I suggested getting the basic edition, the Pro. Uh, some people call that the operator's pinball machine, that operators would buy because of the lower price, and there's less to break, less to go wrong uh, yeah. when it's being hammered. In a private home, these machines should never break down, and they're, they're so durable. I was just telling somebody today, I've had a Beatles in my showroom now for, oh, I'm going to say at least a year. And the only thing that's gone bad on it are the rubbers. Now, these games are built to last. And, and I had a Batman 66 for two years in my apartment, and nothing went wrong. I had one node board that needed to be replaced, which was a two-minute pop-it-in-and-out job, and the game was perfect for that entire time. The three-tiered system, Todd, has worked phenomenally well for Stern. Phenomenally well. And... And are you surprised when you see other companies come out like American Pinball and they they don't do the three-tier system, even though it's proven to be so successful? Well, I did ask them in that. In the, I, I published that new video of the tour of American Pinball, which was filmed in October. And I used my regular camera, not the cell phone. I asked them in that with their next pinball, their third pinball, which, as we all know now, is Hot Wheels, would that have extra versions and he said they were talking about it. They were thinking of doing it. And that would have been October. So I don't know if the Hot Wheels has been released with three versions. Now, it currently is just one. They have a, it's $6,300. And it's more, so they're kind of just releasing it as a pro version. If you look at where Stern Games fall in, in the price you know, sort of window. For a company like them, they're making the game more for operators. And they've said that knowing where we are with, the world and operators are freezing operations. And do you feel like it's the worst time maybe in the, in what you've seen in the pinball marketplace to launch a new game? Oh my God. Yeah. It, it is so sad. It's such bad timing. It's such bad timing for this to happen at this time because people aren't thinking of, you know, they can't see it at a show. The excitement seems to be gone when the new pinball appears. Now, I think all this will come back. I really do I think all the excitement about new games and such will return when this crisis finishes. It uh, runs its route. Right. Wait, if that's going to be the end of the summer, you know, yep. that's going to kill the summer market, the summer sure season uh, where you make a lot of money. The boardwalks generate a ton of money with these games, um, with the, the vacationing crew. I mean, anybody, anywhere that have these machines out for the summer. Some of them depend on the summer income to pay off the machine. And then in the winter, when it's slower, you know, they use the summer profits to pay their bills. It's going to be interesting, right? Because there's a there's going to be a balancing of, of winners and losers through this period because the operators are not going to get the summer traffic. But you're also going to have home buyers, if they don't lose their jobs, they're not going to be spending money on vacations this year because they can't really travel. And so they're going to have a lot of pent up money 
and they're going to want to get back to something that excites them after they've been cooped up inside for months. So you might actually have an eager buyer base from the home people. But I do think, and I said this on my show earlier today, coming out of this crisis, people are going to start to save more and realize the fragility of our lifestyle choices. And if we're too paycheck to paycheck on a monthly basis, maybe buying a pinball machine is something you're going to defer to a better time again. Yeah, that could work both ways. I'll tell you what I think will happen. I think a lot of people are going to start storing food that can that can keep they're going to buy cases of stuff that they can store in case uh there's a some kind of a shortage down the road and yeah. we're hearing all this stuff where the farmers are having troubles now yeah but, um, you know. well isn't that what happens in the movie uh interstellar oh it can't be all doom and gloom there has to be like gandalf at the top of the hill on the fifth day that's going to come down and restore the world to its previous normalcy so yeah it we we don't I don't think we end like this. I, I don't. Todd, you know the new titles rumored are Guns N' Roses. Uh, right. we've got Toy Story after that, possibly from Jersey Jack. We've got Ninja Turtles. We've got the mystery company of Deep Root. But amongst the rumored titles, Ninja Turtles, Guns N' Roses, what which are you excited by those themes? How do you think those themes will do in the pinball world when we get back to people buying? Well, I think Toy Story would be a big hit. I see. I don't know about Guns N' Roses. We already have a really good Data East one. Do we really need another one? I I don't know. I mean, Jersey Jack stuff is is such such beautiful stuff that I'm sure it's going to be a first rate job. But I I don't know. I you have to be pretty much. I think you'd have to be a Guns N' Roses fan to want one. But since there's already one out there, couldn't they have picked out a different group? I, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, and that's the second sort of theme that Jack has remade, if you consider The Hobbit to be Lord of the Rings in the same vein of the same narrative and, and, and franchise. So, But I do think that there are millions of Guns N' Roses fans, but to your point, if you're a pinball fan and a Guns N' Roses fan, you've been able to get your hands on a Guns N' Roses pinball machine and, ha- and have had one for years. So this machine is definitely going to improve upon it, right? It's going to have modern sound, modern lights, modern everything. And Eric, who's designing it, we saw what he did with Pirates. So I, the, people are expecting big things from this game. Yeah, I would think it would be a real hit. I always was wondering why the Pirates didn't take off. Um, well, that was just launched. It had launch problems. It, it, it sort of blew up on the launch pad. When, it, when they revealed the game, everybody wanted one. I remember it was at Expo. And I don't know if you, it was 2000, I want to say 17, Jack showed it and the world, everyone went bonkers. Remember there was like, it was like a dark day for Stern and Jersey Jack had just taken over. And then they removed the discs from the game and they removed the the treasure chest. And all of a sudden it started just become, we have to re-engineer what we already showed. And I, they just never fully recovered from that. But now that the game is out there, it just took over. I don't know if you saw this, Todd. It's the number one ranked game on the Pinside Top 100 now. It's at like a 9.4. And you can't get one. <laughs> no. And So do you think, Jack, if he moves into his new Chicago facility, do you think he reruns Pirates of the Caribbean? Do you think he'd be an idiot not to, knowing that it's so popular and people want it? And why not give the people what they want? Yeah, I think I think with the new line, uh, he's going to – and he's. There's going to be a lot of people in Chicago 
that are more familiar with assembly so the mistakes and the errors can be fixed right away so you don't have production problems. I, I don't see why he couldn't put them back on the line. Like he could make more hobbits if he needed them, make more dialed-ins or wizards. Um, and Stern, Stern has proven that works. Yeah, it's another brilliant move by Gary is the um, the vault, the vault editions. Um, Ab- absolutely, rumor keep... that they're going to vault the uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, this <laughs> that rumor that and Tron have been the rumors forever, and they're both going to come out the day after I die. But uh, if they if they vaulted Lord of the Rings, Todd, uh, who's not buying that game with improved artwork and? It's still one of their best games ever, and it's packed. Beautiful game. It's packed with stuff to do. It's beautiful. Now, the question is, because I actually got a chance to to ask this question when we were at Stern in October. You see, they've had back in production, uh, I think it was Metallica. And Metallica has a different board system. And it's wires. It's not phone cables. So... And there's light bulbs, or they're LEDs, but they're 555s and 44s or whatever. So for them to put the Lord of the Rings back in production, they would have to make the old harnesses again. Why? I, I get that. Everyone's like, it has to be the White Star boards. It has to be. Why can't they just, they've got the game designed, right? They've got the mechs. Why can't they find a way to get the old game to so work with, stuff. yeah engineer the spike system to make to drive those things and put an lcd screen and even if you don't even if you don't like get clips from the movie just animate there's not that many animations on the dmd i i own the game for like two years just make it look more beautiful polish everything right wherever there was any things that could just, you know, they could make a little bit more of a, a sculpted area. The Path of the Dead in the upper left corner where the ball comes down and just sort of hits the two posts and then it falls into the Shire area. That That is such a, like, there's a great mod for it, but they could, you know, they could mod some of the areas that could just use a little bit prettier sculpts. But for the most part, the game is perfect. I mean, I, I, I still think it's one of Stern's finest games ever. And Todd, if they vaulted it, they could make a very high price. High price. They could make a. They could. Stern could say, and and I mean this without even hesitation. They could say we're going to make five hundred Lord of the Rings, super limited edition games. Ten thousand a piece. I, I think they could go twelve five or fifteen. I I just, it's just that kind of title. There, I think there's enough. If you think about this, the whole world, and they only make a thousand of them or five hundred they would probably get sucked up pretty quick because it's the whole world. Yep. And uh, it's and it's a and it's and it's a home run game. And you don't have to spend any money on coding it. It's got one of the best codes ever. You don't have to spend any design money. You only have to re up the license, which is not that hard. I, yeah, I'm got, sure they would be thrilled. I, I I'm sure they would be thrilled to license the game. And the okay. callouts are amazing. Everything about that game. Just I see my problem is that was my first pinball machine I ever owned. And it's so good that when I go on to other machines, that's like that's my standard, Lord of the Rings. And it's a really high standard for even these new games. I mean, Lord of the Rings came out, Todd, in two thousand four. And yep. that game has more in it than most modern games coming out today, sixteen years later. One of my collectors, Dean, 
who listens to you too. Uh, uh, he has a Lord of the Rings that he has gone to town on. He bought the machine from us, but he went nuts on it, and uh, he really did. <laughs> and I, it, it looks like it, it, if if Stern were to see some pictures of that, say you follow some of his ideas here. Um, you, you could make that, I guess, a reality, a ten dollars or $12,000 game, especially with the Spike system. See, the big advantage of Spike and also the um, new Chicago Gaming and Jersey Jack, all their systems allow you to use the LEDs that are able to change to six different colors. Or you, you can really color, color code the whole machine, unlike any other machine before. The downside is, of course, all those LEDs are surface mount chips on a circuit board and at this point we can't fix them so the only way if you have your two times led happens to go out you have to change the board you can't change the chip or you just live with that light out but i can't tell you how many customers call me on the phone and say and now my 12 bonus bulb is out what are you gonna do about it so the first thing i say are the other 300 bulbs lit are the other 299 bulbs still on? Uh, you know, because there's GI bulbs and computer control bulbs. And in most cases, there's just 64, as everybody knows. They kind of ran out of uh, lights right. for the older systems. But I can't imagine, you know, see, right now all this equipment's new. But like Gorgar, I have people call me up because there's a bulb out or a coil doesn't work right. And it's Gorgar, and it's 40 years old. When they call up and say there's... There's LEDs out, there's lights out, and the coil doesn't work. Uh, one of the new games, uh, their Beatles or their Star Wars, new Star Wars pin. I say, well, we can fix it. you got to buy a board. You can't change just the chip on it. you got to buy the whole board because nobody can do that surface mount technology. Most of us have no, no way to solder and unsolder that equipment. Right. And there's not, there's nobody opening up pinball stores. Have you noticed there's very few people in the country that service pinball machine boards, companies? I'm talking to companies, not individuals. Yeah. Uh, 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 Clive at Coin Op Cauldron, he's a terrific guy, but it's just him, and he maybe have one or two workers. But uh, uh, John at El Dorado Games, uh, it's just a couple guys there. Right. There's, there's no companies that want to deal with the homeowner who's going to blow the board up. You know, it, you it know. feels like that's a business that's going to pop up in like 10 years and 15 years, right? When, when Stern finally stops making pins and then you've got tens of thousands of games with these spike boards, then it's a viable business to open up to repair them. Because, and that's always been a question with Spike in general is what is the long-term how do I maintain this over the years? Because right. everyone wants the game to last forever. And the best bet for most people now would be just like buy a backup of every node board in your game and, and as a safety measure. But they're not cheap. And Stern knows that. And so it's expensive on top of an already expensive product. Um, Todd, let's talk about the Twippies because you, you had a fun video on Saturday <laughs> night. And you were up for favorite pinball YouTube channel. Now you've been doing your YouTube channel for a long time, right? And you have a huge... That's when we started the channel. Yeah, ten years. Now this category was really, really competitive. There were some sort of blowout categories, but you were so close and finished in third place with twenty six point nine percent Papa Pinball, 
won the YouTube channel, Twippy, then 23.2% was straight down the middle, and you were at 22.6%. So really, really close. And then the rest of them were like 7, 6, 5%. So how did you feel when you saw that percentages and, and, and you, you uploaded a fun live video of you seeing the results and you always have a, a, a you're always a good sport with these things. So what, 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 what was it like watching well, Saturday night? Well, first of all, they, 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 they called me and they said, you know, we don't, we can't, we don't, can't tell you who's going to win or, but th this was actually a while ago. They approached everybody to film a thank you for giving me the award video. Uh, apparently I was the only one that filmed a, uh, thank, thank you for not giving me the award, you creeps uh, video. And <laughs> it worked out well because I said, I'm going to give them both. And perfect. Uh, in a video later this week, I'm going to run both videos together. The two videos I made, the one I would play if I won, and the one I would play if I didn't. And it, I know why I didn't win. Because, you see, my... My channel, everybody can pretty much say this. My channel features a variety of equipment. Pinball, arcade video games, skee-ball, shuffle bowling alleys, uh, but then other weird stuff. I go on tours. I go on trips. Um, my film hobby, my film collecting hobby is on some of the videos. You know, one of my heaviest viewed videos is when I took apart an 8-track player to clean it for a two tigers arcade video game it's one of my top viewed videos my another top viewed video is taking apart a film strip projector that we used to have at the schools so they're not even related my my player piano video got tons of views in my old radio uh, collection so the reason i didn't win is simple it's because most of the, the people voting are pin, pinheads, really into pinball. And I would say most of them are heavy pinsiders. And I have a lot of fans on pinside, but I don't make, I guess, enough videos that are just gameplay because I, I, it's just they're dull and everybody else is doing it. So I don't want to just set the camera up and point it down at the game and just play the game and not even talk about how to play it or anything or show people stuff. So uh, the original purpose, you know, of my videos, they were never going to be live. I accidentally made one of them live. I was making them for the people getting them, the game, before I shipped. Matter of fact, I just, uh, just sent the people, Bounty Hunter, we just shipped that out today. We shipped out a cocktail, Miss Pac-Man, that has that 16-in-1 that license board from two bit score, uh, showing them how to play it. That will appear in a later video this week or next week, but I sent it to the people so they could see it before it shipped. As soon as I finished with you, we're filming a super checks video. This guy wants to see it before he pays for it. Yeah. I want to see the machine. I want to make sure it's okay. I said, no problem. I, I'll do a video. And the videos we started making were for the customer and, I didn't have it unlisted. It went up public, and I started getting all these emails. Wow, that was great. Oh, man, I wish you'd. So I said, oh, you know what? I'll just make them all live for everybody to see, even though they're produced for the buyer, the guy getting them. And then we have a lot of fun. We started adding the green screens, and uh, my, um, my brother, uh, who lost his job, he comes over and volunteers. 
he's afraid to come in. You know, he doesn't even come here now, even to volunteer. So he he sent he shoots his film and sends it to me, and I upload it. So he hasn't been here in two weeks, but uh, he's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. He's quarantining, right? He's quarantined all right. He's not right. not budging. Well, well, and Todd, I think you know, like it is amazing because you're right. Like you aren't only into pinball. Your content isn't only pinball, and you're right. The straight down the middle pop up. I mean, these are this is pinball focused people. Everyone on. I've said the other person who's not pinball only on this list is Chaz's arcade, right? And Chaz has 1.2% of the votes because he's doing other things as well. Now, I think it's amazing because you didn't even really lobby for votes, right? I don't, I don't know. I did. I made a video of clips of some past videos and put it up on my channel as a regular video and asked people to vote, but I only did it the one time. And I have some super fans, uh, they, they, they're wonderful people that love watching. Uh, we're family based because I have little kids watching now. Uh, little, little, I just showed little Penny. She's seven years old and she wears her TNT shirt to school and she watches with her daddy. And there's a, a so the shows are trying to appeal to everyone. Uh, so it, it's a different kind of show. We, we a lot of goofy jokes and, but we try to make them uh, so you can learn something, a little bit of something, other than an eye poke. But right. uh, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the overall effect of the show um, is to inspire people to want to find and play a game. Uh, Steve Young at Pimble Resource told someone, not me, but told someone else, that I have single-handedly created a demand for pinball machines no one ever wanted before. I don't disagree with that. And and when I saw your videos for the first time, and I think when people, I think it, a, a lot of it starts out, Todd, like this, where people are curious about arcades and pinball, and they do a Google search, and they go to YouTube, and they find you. And you have this amazing ability to pull people into this hobby through your storytelling and your visual medium and you make it really entertaining and interesting. And it's like an intimate exploration of all these different games. It, it gets people excited. And I do agree with that. And that's why Todd, I think when you didn't win, there was a, an outcry from the community that loves you. And the thing I'm advocating for, and I've said this on a previous show is I think we need stuff like lifetime achievement in content creation within pinball and within amusement because I, I think you supersede a simple category like this because I think you've been doing it for over a decade and, and that's what I'm lobbying for you moving forward because I just think you deserve it and I think everyone would agree and I think we need more uh, Todd Tucky and Todd Tucky enthusiasm in the hobby and it's great that we have you. And I yeah. love that you pushed a pinball machine off a roof too, because <laughs> well, I think I think you bring I take flack for that. Ooh. But but you but you but I, I take flack for for my video. I, you do stuff to entertain and engage, and you're always you. That's what I love about your videos, and I love about the way you approach this hobby. Is you care, you love it, but you don't you don't change who you are as you're making this content. And I think people appreciate that, and I think that's why you have such a strong following after 10 years of making these kinds of great videos that we enjoy. Oh, thanks. That's really good. Very good to hear that because uh, 
we always wonder, I said, we were discussing to get more views because our videos generally don't get tons and tons of views uh, like we hope they would. But uh, people constantly, whenever I go to a show, I'm always swarmed with people that love them and want pictures. And it's always fun to, uh, and, and now as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Timmy's uh, one of the twins um, has been a big inspiration to get me to do a lot of uh, t-shirts. We have a full line of t-shirts now that have my sayings on the back. They're all advertised on our store. Uh, but uh, there's hats. Uh, um, another fellow does artwork for me. We sell them on Zazzle under TNT Amusements. as a tie with my face on it, if any of you want it. So it's kind of neat with the uh, the stuff we can promote. But now it's interesting when we go to a show that some of the people, when they know I'm coming, they want to, they try to adjust their schedule so they can go. I heard that at Pinball Expo in October. I originally wasn't able to come because I had a sh another show that weekend. And then that show got canned, it got moved. So I was able to do the Pinball Expo. And uh, the one fella, uh, Jeff, who has a really great channel, Arcade Hollywood, uh, he said there, there was a spike. As soon as people heard that I was coming, they had a spike in sales for the show. And that was great because we, we saw so many collectors. I had, oh, God, we had so much fun. See, uh, I'm Todd, I'm so envious because I have, I have the reverse effect. People here, Canadians come and then they cancel their trip. They don't no. go. No, I'm well, joking. I, 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 I maybe I'm not. Or has it that you're going to get your own personal tour of Gary Stern's uh, um, um, uh, factory? Is that true? I, what do you think the odds are? that I'm on episode, this will be episode, I think, 474, right? What do you think the odds are by episode 500, if I make it there, I could get Gary Stern to come on? You think he would do it? <laughs> I, Gary's funny. Uh, he, what, when I, in October, he acted as though he never heard of me. And it was so funny because I'm thinking, God, how could he not know me? You know, but uh, if you know already... When I do a video, I, I I try to find good stuff out of bad stuff, so uh, I can find a the, like I, in my opinion. Now, this is my opinion: the most awful, most rotten, most stupidest, dumbest pinball ever made uh, was Bally's Motor Dome. It's a combination of everything awful in pinball and just ugly, nasty piece of equipment but i actually found one great feature in it that no other pinball machine had none nobody ever came up with this idea and it was it was copied years later where when you put your quarter in and start the game you could select which level you wanted to play easy medium or hard you could actually select it nobody ever thought of doing that before it's amazing because that is a feature in which we need now more than ever with a lot of these Absolutely. complex games. I don't understand why people don't do that. Sega did it. They have the novice and then they have yeah. the regular. Any modern video game allows you that feature. It's like, I always say like pinball machines, there's like one setting and it's usually really hard <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And they, it would be nice to have a feature where you could pre-select it and, and get your ball and keep your ball. If it goes down the toilet real quick and you get your ball back, yeah. I mean, th that's only fair especially with a, with a player that's new at it. A good player, that'll never happen. See, if you're a good pinball player, you're not going to lose the ball in a second. 
No. You're going to keep it on the field. So a, a per person walking up, they're, they're going to be disgusted if they lose their ball right away. Right. And it counts. And it counts, that is. And uh, that was a nice feature. And uh, when they jazzed up uh, a Gottlieb, the 9-month board for the Gottlieb System 1s, which has got to be the crudest pinball machine, electronic pinball machines ever made, uh, they, the Mach 2, the Mark 2 boards allow a skill shot now. They've added skill shot to the game program. And then they've added a guaranteed ball time. So if your ball goes right down the toilet on a system one, you get it back. It just makes so much sense. With these modern computers running these games, let's say you have like an eight-year-old kid. And why can't I just put it on like, all right, I'm going to set it so like you can play for 10 minutes straight and it won't, you won't get a game over. You can just explore the game and play for 10 minutes and let, let the kid wail away on the machine. I mean, there's, it's so easy to code that. It's just strange to me that they don't understand the variety of people that jump on these machines. Like Rick and Morty is a good example. It's so hard for most people. They're going to get on that machine and see none of it. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And, if they don't get guaranteed playtime, now I think I'm sure they have guaranteed time. Uh, they're going to give you your ball back if it goes right down, right? Yeah, they'll do that, and then you could obviously you could always make it like five ball, eight ball. You could people always said make it eight ball. Like I, I get that, but it doesn't make the game easier. Like you're still going to have to hit this many shots in a row to start a mode, and maybe a kid, maybe the mode should just start every three to four minutes just because it's a kid <laughs> and he's not going to be able to hit all those shots in those sequences. I don't know. Well, you know, Williams, Williams pioneered uh, with high speed, the automatic high score, the uh, replay level adjustments, uh, because I'll never forget the call. The, I think the next game or two games after high speed was grand lizard. I sold a grand lizard at Christmas time year. This is years ago. And, Guy called me on the phone. He said, something's really wrong with this game. I came home again, and the replay level's way low. It's too low. It's ridiculous. When I left last night, when I played last night, and I said, is there anybody playing it during the day? They said, yeah, my kids are playing it. I said, there you go. I said, your kids are playing it, and the game understands their children, and they're not good players, and the game is adjusting itself so they can win. And he was like in shock. He's like mad. He's like, he's like, damn it. He's. He says, "You're kidding." And I said, "Just play a couple games, and the game will catch up. That it'll eliminate that feature." I said, "You'll be back up again." But I told him you can turn the feature off. But once he, once I explained to him that the game was trying to allow the children to win, so they at Williams actually thought of that already. Yeah, uh, that was a great. I mean, the System Eleven board was just great. I think there's very little thought given to younger, inexperienced players coded into any of these modern games. And it confuses me considering if and this is where I get into marketing, Todd. It's like if you do your market research and a lot of your buyers have kids, why not do that? Why not give the parents an ability? And I know Jerry's trying to do that with P3. He's made games specifically that are sort of like entry-level games for kids to to get into pinball and most modern games really difficult for kids to jump on and, and understand the p3 games are just beautiful i i think they are i uh in the uh, you know it, it, i would love to see the new one's incredible the heist or he, sorry it's just heist i keep saying the heist it heist it it looks awesome 
it, it's such a great idea and I, I it's I'm glad they're still trying uh, you know er, everybody tries and some people you know fade away you know like what happened with highway games and uh, and uh, the Dutch pinball it's it's it, it's really precarious because you need so much money to keep things going and I can't tell you a number of times here I've had to borrow from my credit card to make payroll each week. Yeah. What about Deep Root? Do they make it? They've been just in the shadows for years. I, I don't know. We were we almost saw the almost. We are two weeks away. Close, I know. And and they certainly don't want to reveal it on on the line. I think they're just going to. It looks like they'll just wait and see if. Everybody thought this thing was going to be over in two or three weeks. Uh, nobody expected this to drag on like this. And uh, why did we? Why did we think that as a, a society? I'm just, and, and then you know, I'll let you go because we're at the hour. But it's weird that we all thought that, right? Because none of the medical experts were saying it, but it was just like our political leaders were all convincing us that it was going to be life as usual. And because it was simple. It's it, that's an easy one. If they told you that, look. Uh, we're shutting everything down for six months. Everybody would go up in arms. But if they instead said, look, we're going to shut everything down for just two weeks. And everybody said, well, two weeks. God, that's hard. But I, I can deal with that. Then toward the end of the two weeks, well, it's going to be another two weeks. Well, well two weeks, uh, I, I can deal with that. See, in, in, in two weeks, you, you, can get your, you can get your hand around that. But six months, baby, you can't. You, you're thinking six months, I'll be bankrupt, I'll be gone, I'll, be, uh, you know, we'll we'll lose everything, you know, something like that. So, and that that is why Andrew Highway used to tell everybody who had waited forever that they would get their game in two weeks, and then months would go by. It was just always two weeks. It's always the classic line. Is that the Stern book too? Is the two weeks? It'll yeah. be done. Well, Stern's good. Stern doesn't see Stern doesn't give dates, so they don't miss no, dates. I, no, I meant their book, the uh the book about Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The coffee table book. Did that thing what is up with that book? I don't two weeks. We won't even we won't I, I won't make you talk about your your book that you worked on, but uh we'll we'll leave on a high note of of Todd. Yeah. I want to thank I, you I'd so much. I'd be happy much. to come back, believe yeah, me. Well, We'll get you back on, and I, I'm. This is long overdue, and, and and it was great to have you on the show, uh, and I I hope you and your family stay safe, and I hope when you do your your auction, you get a lot of people to bid. So Todd, for people who want to join this TNT auction and help you out, give give the listeners of Canada's Pinball Podcast the details on how they can go see what's going to be up uh, on the auction block. Well, this is going to be a, on Facebook, the auction, uh, and it's going to be on Dean Wetzel's uh, Facebook. Uh, collector's page, but here's the the awful thing. How is do you I, spell Wetzel? So D E A N, uh, D E A N, and that's W E N T Z E L. Okay. And uh, I'm, let me see if I can find the page. Uh, I will mention while I'm looking for this that people can go on our website tntamusements.com because there we, you can get a virtual tour. We have one of those 360 tours. Where you can walk all through uh, the TNT uh, showrooms with your mouse, you can actually walk through it. Um, uh, we also have uh, the website that has all the current inventory, and uh, it connects to our YouTube channel and our store. And remember, we sell Frank's battery boards. Those wonderful boards that are saving hundreds and hundreds of games. 
changing your AA batteries or your rechargeable NICADs to lithium. Uh, they're clean, neat, easy to install. A baby could put them in. Uh, and then you, you buy the battery at the store. It's, it uses a 2032, the same battery that opens up your car door. And the batteries last three to five years. So we've been really lucky on that. It's uh, really worked out well. And uh, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm looking here. To, isn't that awful? I, I'm trying to find it. No, what, what, what day is the auction? It, we, we're going to have it. In two weeks, either Wednesday. Two weeks again. <laughs> Wednesday. Uh, uh, let me look at the calendar. It'll be in April, obviously. Um, and I'm going to try to get my calendar. It, this just happened about an hour before you came. Uh, you called me here. So it, it's. Um, Is it the 15th? The, yeah, the 15th or 16th. Uh, Chris, we're not sure which one. Uh, it's going to be one or the other day. It's Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we're trying to see what's going to be best. Uh, he, he's going to let me know exactly for sure because I just sent him pictures of me to promote it. We're going to start taking pictures of different things we're going to offer. We're going to have both video and pinball stuff. Um, uh, we're going to try to find some odd stuff. And this uh, is a live auction. Yeah, li it'll be live. And then uh, each item will be up for two minutes. And then uh, we'll move on to the next one unless the bidding continues. Uh, we're going to try not to have, you know, stupid junk or anything, you know. Right, right. Uh, okay. Although, yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. It should uh, uh, get a lot of excitement and interest. Uh, you always can go to our channel. So we're so easy to find. TNT Amusements uh, Inc. is the official channel name. Uh, no, just TNT Amusements. I'm sorry. That's my eBay store, TNT Amusements Inc., there's links to the eBay store on our website too. Gotcha. And, uh, okay. Uh, we uh, love to talk to you. Or you you can chat to us. Our email uh, address is uh, uh, tntquality at aol.com. Uh, you can always call. We have 24-hour automation that uh, explains what we sell and what we do. And then you can buzz right through to us too by pressing zero, just like at pretty much anybody's system. Right. Easy to get, easy to find. He, he ain't hard to find, listener. So here's the deal, guys. Let's for those uh, that are listening right now. Let's let's do our best to hang out with Todd on the 15th or 16th. And these live auctions are fun because it's just fun to see what stuff goes for and people are chatting at the same time, and it's great. There's going to be the price police will probably zoom in and give us their opinions at the same time. Oh, I'm going to get thumbs down. Yeah, <laughs> we have a couple haters uh, actually. Probably, probably maybe ten or twelve that we can always count on giving us that thumbs down. Yeah, love uh, those guys. Well, you gotta have them, you know. And we always used to joke, you know, they're they're in the mom's basement with their pants down at their ankles, and uh, ordering, getting, eating a hot pocket, and then hitting that that thumbs that that arrow down on their computer and said, "I'll teach Todd." Your haters, right? There's and there's just always those people that always think everything is worth so much less than it really is, and they're like, "I got my Street Fighter Big Blue for five hundred bucks. Like this is overpriced at twelve hundred. And you're like, "All right, well, I'll pay you twelve hundred for your game." They're like, "I'm not selling it for that." And you're like, "Well, then <laughs> what's it? Then you just told me it was worth five hundred. I just offered you twelve hundred, and you won't sell it." Well, the best part is is when they try to sell a like a pinball machine. And they, they think their Earthshaker is worth 4500 
because you know they changed all the bulbs to LEDs and they uh, they resoldered a wire and they changed one coil and you know and, wow I just overhauled it I said no you yeah, did yeah it's been sh- they, it's but, been shopped out I love that word shopped out <laughs> like, I changed the posts right right well Todd thank you so much for coming on again it's a pleasure I I've been watching your stuff for years and it's just great to get you on the show. And I can't wait to see you at a show out and about in the future. And guys, let's support Todd and, and do all we can. So hop on to the live auction, go onto the website, buy some merchandise, buy some ties, every any penny we can get to these guys in this hobby who have been giving us so much great content for free. Let's show our support. So Todd, thank you so much for joining. You got it. Thanks again, sir. Bye. TNT, bye.